Section 12 of Idomen or the Vale of Umori by Maria Gowan Brooks. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Confessions, Part 8. At nine o'clock Marion came in. My dress, my looks, and the odor of the draught I had swallowed told her at once what had been done. I asked her as a friend to conceal the discovery she had made. Marion consented, but first exacted from me an assurance that I had no more poison in my chamber. From the first she had loved to watch the course of my feelings, subjected entirely as they were to the power of a passion, by every one spoken of with pleasure, by every modern person deemed romantic, to every heart known a little, but felt in its excess by few. The curiosity of her whose care saved my life was now more excited than before, and with feelings like those awakened by a tragedy of Schiller. She left me sleepy from exhaustion, and flew to prepare restoratives. In the course of that very morning came Ethelwald. Had I died he would have been called to look upon me. He was told that I lay slightly indisposed, and another evening had come, ere Marion let me know of his visit. Exhausted as I was, a lively regret took possession of my soul, for had I known he was beneath the roof, I would have seen him, even as I lay and told to him the cause of my suffering. But destiny had differently ordained, and Marion, perhaps while her kindness saved me from death, for even the effect of the poison must have killed without her care and gentleness. Marion, perhaps, was commissioned to separate my days from those of him I loved. Even as darkness at the beginning of the world was separated from light and animation, carefully nursed and nourished, in three days I was able to rise. But the vivid regret I had felt at not seeing once more, when he came, the bright being, whose estrangement made life insupportable, was succeeded by a despair more dull and heavy than before. It is little, said Dalcour, to read or tell the story of a stranger. Yet even that sometimes agitates and disturbs and we cannot speak minutely of sufferings endured by ourselves without strong and fatiguing emotion. Idomen wished to continue, but I saw that her strength was overtasked. At the hour of the paseo I knew that two friends were expected from Matanzas, and I left her to spare her spirits, and to emerge from the past to the present. The sun was high and powerful, but the way to my woods was not long. I mounted my Creolian pony, languid with the hottest hours of day, and resting on his saddle the staff of my green silken umbrella, I proceeded half concealed in its deep concave towards the shady groves of my dwelling. Benito followed, bearing my change of dress on a little horse, brought to light near the palm-covered cottage of his mother. A palm-leaf hat of his own weaving covered his woolly locks. Large drops of oozing moisture ran down his black, glossy forehead, made cool by the profuse evaporation. The careless, happy negro was humming extemporal airs, and never thought once of the sun. The edges of the heart-leaved convolvulus or morning glory were beginning to roll inwards even in my shady pathway. It was the hour for refreshment and repose. I retired to my vine-woven chamber and as soon as its shade had cooled me, I bathed me with sponges of the river, and put on fresh linen for my lonely repast and siesta. 
a soup enriched with nutritious roots from my garden was boiled at my fire every day and sent when i had tasted to the women with young children in my hospital to be shared with any who were sick this with a speckled guinea fowl and a heart of fresh curds laid on rose leaves were my simple but luxurious banquet fig bananas and fragrant guayavas were presented on fresh green leaves and set before me at the dessert with a vase of such flowers as i loved i sat long alone at table musing on idomen and her story the powers she possessed of feeling both pleasure and pain were as it seemed to me but proofs of the depth of her genius for who can describe or conceive of that which he never has felt amid so many griefs and transitions it seemed to me a subject for wonder that her reason ever active and reflecting had not been even more disordered than the truth of her narrative had proved it her present healthful appearance though absent and still loving ethelwald gave assurance of her mind's elasticity her fancy was evidently feasting on some vague hope of seeing him again her passion i deemed an illusion happy as she had described him and surrounded by gay friendly circles it was not probable that one so admired at his home would appreciate the character of idomen at a distance or prove for her the love of a storied knight-errant or troubadour yet his reign over her warm imagination was still undiminished and entire and for that i felt a secret satisfaction as it guarded her heart from new attachments i knew the full strength of gratitude in a soul like hers whom i admired and resolved to become her protector in any way comporting with her wishes i would favor her cultivation of the muses and take her to polished europe when at last she might wish to study there ethelwald i doubted not would yield to the attractions of some fair daughter of britain while reason friendship gratitude the welfare of her child and what is so strong in an artist the hope of success in her art every inducement would conspire to obtain for me even the hand of idomen if necessary to her safety or to her honor benito slung my colored hammock of otaheite and i took my siesta in the woods no nauseous worm or reptile is found either in the fruits or among the thick leaves of cuba the pretty lizard so entirely fearless of man i loved always to contemplate and welcomed his delicate eyes whenever he approached my solitude footnote the tameness of the small lizard is a surprising circumstance it seems to put entire confidence in human beings and never moves when they approach unless driven by violence its eyes are very beautiful and seem to express wisdom or thoughtfulness End of note. at sunset i went with benito to where the branches of the night-flowering serius had clasped themselves like serpents around fallen trunks of palmetto a curious fruit is sometimes found on these plants shaped like a tapering pear and covered with prickles like the leafless stem that it grows upon chance smiled upon our search for we found two of these rare luscious apples or pulpy coverings of seed as i saw them closely swelling near the serpentine branch that bore them i could but think of the fruit presented by the invader of paradise 
but one far unlike a destroyer now sought them for her whom he wished to adorn his paradise benito as he stood wove a basket of leaves and i placed the rare fruit that had crowned my search in my cabinet of porcelain till morning at ten the next day i found madame burleigh in expectancy i gave flowers for her boudoir but reserved the fruit of the night blooming serious to change the current of her thoughts when perturbed by the scenes she depicted a few brief incidents said idomen will finish oh my friend the gloom of my many adventures and reveal the whole past life of her whose heart is laid bare to thee again i had strength to go through the routine of the day but half that day was spent in lassitude on the sofa light soups and jellies presented by the hand of marian with the charm of her conversation preserved the little life i still retained the presence of this friendly companion had in it i knew not what of animation and influence yet the faint joy it imparted was only as the light of a passing taper flashing at intervals through the iron-grated aperture of the dungeon in which my soul sat imprisoned the gloom that hung over me became deeper and deeper and i doubted the care of heaven though so lately preserved from death no i secretly exclaimed if heaven had preserved heaven would comfort even marian i know well while her lips amuse me with gentle words and her hands present me with sustenance is reading the tablets of my mind like some story half real and half imaginary as i become weaker she will be weary but no i will retire in time i was now able to walk out an elderly lady who had come from n t brought me a letter penned with the infantine hand of my dear absent little arvon every thought of horror returned and i feared that i might live to give him pain the bearer of arvon's letter was going out to buy ribbons and artificial flowers for the toilet of her village daughters and desired me to bear her company and taste the fresh air to my own benefit i went with her to choose these little adornments of festivity passed from door to door and stopped at the rooms of an apothecary candies prepared with healing herbs for the colds of winter were purchased for arvon and her children i spoke of the noise made by vermin in the night and said i would give her arsenic to destroy the disturbers of her sleep a youth when asked produced some but said that much caution was needful when arsenic was used in a family how much i said would destroy a human being two grains returned the young man would occasion the death of the strongest soldier in this garrison i bought what might fill a large shell of a walnut of england kept half myself and gave the other half to my companion who i knew would leave quebec very soon and could not return again to the parlor of arlington she left me at my door and went farther i returned to my room to dress for dinner and laid aside the deadly purchase little was now to be done the letters of death i had written were still by me and sealed a few more words on their envelope was sufficient the same vestments of white which had wrapped me for a dreadful purpose had again been freshly washed in the waves of the ladauana beautiful name of a beautiful river 
my lips even at that dismal hour took almost a pleasure in speaking thee and my chilled heart even then could frame good wishes for the forest chief who first had pronounced its vowed syllables footnote nicholas vincent zawanawi a catholic indian chief end of note st lawrence if indeed thy spirit can watch near the noble stream baptized with thy name by thine adorers pity and protect the wild children of the woods who still cross its waves in their canoes of bark who still border their moccasins with the hair of the elk and transfix with their arrows the wild speckled pheasant and the ptarmigan white as thy snows again i was taken with the family party to the theatre but ethelwald was not there once since my baffled attempt i had seen him but the spirits which were wont to rush forth in joy at his presence had forsaken me neither did marian forbear her watching for one moment the wish still remained of confessing to him all i had felt but the power for such a confession was denied me again i saw the mimic peruvian but the picturesque scene was now lost on me again i sat at the supper-table but could not smile with the rest requesting some sweetmeats for a soreness of the throat i retired to my room as soon as was consistent with courtesy letters of death were again placed under my pillow i bathed myself once more in the waters of the river i loved and wet a white kerchief of cuba in perfume of orange flowers which had blossomed there again i breathed to heaven the same prayer my friend which i have repeated to thee but it was breathed with less of fervour and more of heaviness than before at last after pausing a moment i chose from the sweetmeats sent to my room by marian a wild plum of canada and mixed with it as much arsenic as the quantity of its own stone and pulp the whole was swallowed i rinsed carefully my throat teeth and lips tied a white handkerchief beneath my chin and lay down once more to my doom unless heaven should avert it a heavy sleep came over me together with a dull impression that i was now tempting and offending a deity who had lately interposed how entirely dependent are mortals men have boasted of at least the power to die but even that power they possess not some higher hand must concur before even death can be obtained by any wretch who would rush to an unknown state to escape from the torments of this world the sufferer may complain of destiny and strike his own heart in impatience but heaven alone can vouchsafe to him the eternal stillness of the tomb in the morning i again awoke not in the world of spirits but on earth and deathly sick my offended vitals spurned and flung the heavy mineral with an effort more painful and violent than was caused by the juice of the poppy marian at the hour of breakfast came to my room and sent for a young physician her relative who stayed by me till the poison was ejected when i lay more at ease they both endeavoured to act upon my fears but spoke less of a future existence than of ingratitude dishonour and defacement of my form while on earth concealment of what i had done was only obtained by promising that i would make no farther attempt to leave this world for the term of three months i gave a promise 
and fearing to distress me they did not exact one for ever three days i lay ill in bed thinking that the poison might still destroy though in a manner less easy than i had hoped for marian was constant in her attentions she brought me such nourishment as could be taken without effort she sang conversed read and employed every pleasing art to amuse and beguile me of suffering her cares her conversation the charms of her mind were a balm perhaps sent by heaven to heal and restore me to the path intended for my treading in four days i could rise again but a light eruption the effect perhaps of the mineral i had swallowed was spreading itself over the whole surface of my form of this my physician in kind wisdom availed himself your system he said is peculiar no poison that you can procure will give you death you have twice tried the experiment but disease may be easily induced and even now you are fortunate in escaping defacement how inexplicable are the changes of our hearts and how necessary to mortals is the sympathy of earthly contemporaries the confidence of two persons who kept my secret produced upon my soul a stronger effect than the utmost of her own reasoning powers thus often some slight external succour restores action to the palsied energies which have baffled every inward exertion i had promised to live and my pain however keen must be endured the mere circumstance of having a promise to keep acted as a support and urged and impelled to effort rumors continued to float around that a fair lady with a fair fortune was still ardent in her attempts on the heart of him who seemed to me like phoebus i knew that if i lingered in quebec i must sometimes meet in public both the idol and the nymph that would enchant him the fatal packet sent from n t had in every worldly sense exonerated ethelwald from farther regard for her who folded it i looked upon myself changed emaciated escaped as by a miracle from death and contrasted the joyous presence of him i loved with my own sadness and dejection i could not bear the thought that mere pity should ever take the place of that tender and impassioned attachment which however evanescent had existed the time still was short since ethelwald had crossed to see me the ladauana in storms but to me it had seemed an age of suffering i would not now that he should look upon me i even would avoid a meeting with him of whom the mere sight was heaven in the midst of these revolving emotions a letter arrived from the pine grove of n t and i resolved to return to my child the same young relation who had brought me to quebec took me back to the wild lonely village where my happiest moments had been passed wrapped closely from the air i endured the first hours of our journey breathing many a secret prayer to heaven and during long intervals of silence binding up as it were my disordered thoughts into verses the month of march was begun the excess of cold had diminished but the beautiful river was still frozen and hard as a rock of crystal by degrees i was attracted by the scene i threw back my close furry hood and perceived that i once more could look around and breathe the free air without danger 
waves rocks trees and mountains varied and fleeced with snow assumed forms the most fantastic a path on the river before us was marked out by dark boughs of evergreen set up by friendly hands in the snow to direct the lonely traveller our little rough-haired horse of the country was driven by a faithful singing canadian and our carriole skimmed like some bird of winter over a vast expanse of whiteness or as it were through a wilderness of brilliancy we rode low upon the river but as we passed its banks huge snowdrifts at intervals seemed rising even to the heavens everything sparkled in the sun the winds were hushed the sky was blue above us and looked as serene as the countenance of him i fled from beholding spring though distant was preparing to approach i respired the pure breath of the desert and my soul caught returning animation i felt the movement of a pleasure whose organs had long been inactive it rushed through my soul like something new and the palsied sense was resuscitated beautiful nature how darkly involved is the heart when its pains counteract thine influence these feelings continued but a moment yet they left a refreshment behind them and the poignancy of reflection was softened as we rode one day longer upon the frozen ladauana to persons who deserved my gratitude i had promised to live three months and no promise once given to any mortal by idomen had ever in her life been broken in three months more the waves would again be unlocked and a hope now began to dawn that my heart again might be healed ere the term of my promise could expire the vast rocks of ice would be riven and i should view the magnificent spectacle of the river regaining his liberty in three months more his waters would flow on in peace and beauty and then if heaven willed me not on earth and my wretchedness still should continue i could find me a hiding-place from the world in the depth of his pure sweet bosom and be hidden alike and forever from the eyes both of pity and of cruelty thus whispered my still sickly fancy but a cure was begun in my soul in the morning we crossed the great river and rode over the slightly yielding snow till the tall pines of the seminary seemed beckoning our approach to n t as the clock of the seminary struck twelve the kind inmates of my former dwelling came rushing to the door to receive me each in turn expressed a sorrow that my health was not yet recovered but said that my eyes looked better than when i had left them for quebec oh hope how the first faint gleam of thy twilight has power to change the countenance of a mortal so fallen in the night of despair notice was sent to the seminary and little arvon flew to embrace me he said it was the cold that made me sick but now spring was coming i would be well again End of section twelve.